Hey guys, welcome back to Hey Bub Outdoors. Thanks for joining us again on this week's episode where we're going to be talking turkey. And joining us this week, I have my good friend, Clint, and uh, you can just call him TK because he is the ultimate turkey killer. He's legendary in these parts and we're good, we're, we're good to have Clint with us today because he's going to be able to teach us a lot about turkey hunting. Clint, good to have you, bub. Thanks for, thanks for coming along and I've uh, been looking forward to this for, uh, for quite some time since we, started, since we started this bringing friends on. I'm like, man, I can't wait till spring time starts coming and we can bring TK on. He can talk some turkey with us. So thanks for joining us, Bob. Well, I'm honored to be with you. This is going to be, this is going to be fun. You, uh, you guys starting to hear any birds gobble over there? We, we did, um, last Monday. So, uh, I guess it would be this time last week we were, uh, working on a piece of property having Dubois County and a turkey was just shaking the woods. So, um, it's, it's getting closer getting closer it's good to hear the weather's starting to shift and these warm temperatures have everything greening up but the turkeys are definitely starting to gobble i saw just and uh, two hours ago i saw a group of uh seven long beards together right by the road so got me pre- pretty fired up for for what is to come so clint would you give us maybe just a little bit of uh your background uh specifically in turkey hunting i know i know you're not just a turkey hunter but can you tell us kind of maybe where you're from and, and where you're hunting at now and, and okay. kind of what your, what your objectives are every year now when it comes to turkey hunting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Mississippi and uh, you might hear in the accent. So uh, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to, to legally harvest three birds a year. And I, I lived down, down there until I was about almost 30 years old before I moved to Indiana. And uh, so I hunted with some really good turkey hunters down there, and some of them might or might not have have abided by the the, the bag limits, uh, but I I always tried to tried to abide by those. But um, that we had about a six week long season, and Will Primos, I kind of started to cut my teeth watching Will Primos, the truth, the truth for turkey hunting. I watched the first video actually, I probably watched it six or eight times, and every time a new one came out, I watched it. And so I learned a lot from him and we had a high school principal that actually took my next door neighbor and he would take him to, to hunting, turkey hunting before school and would sign him in late for high school and let him go turkey hunting. But that guy, that principal was a fantastic turkey hunter and he would kill turkeys. He would try to get them cranked up and get them killed so he could be at school on time. And so I learned a lot on getting aggressive with turkeys from those guys and they were, they were really good turkey hunters. So they, they taught me a lot. So then you move up to Indiana where the bag limit is. Is one. one. So, uh, so it, that was good. I mean, it, it was good for me to, that way I could give back instead of it being all about me. Um, I, you, t- you mentioned this last time that you had a, uh, Hey Bub Outdoors and it was talking about with Jordy is that we, when we give things away, we, you know, we gain it going back to scripture and, so I, I really, I really think that's something too. that when you start to share the outdoors with others, instead of me worrying about getting my three tags filled, uh, I've been fortunate enough in Indiana that I usually get my tag filled pretty quickly and then I can go out and help other people. Or I t- usually take a youth for the last probably 12 or 15 years. I've taken a youth almost every youth Saturday here in Indiana and had a lot of luck. Uh, so it's been fun. That's really cool. No, that's yeah. really neat. That's good to hear. So when you were hunting down 
when you were heading down south, like growing up, was that mostly public land, private land? What kind of uh, very little, very little public where I live. We had hunting clubs, a lot of leases and things like that. And so it depended on the year and where the birds were a big timber industry. And if they cut your timber, cut your favorite spot, it made for great deer hunting, but it changed the habitat on the turkeys. The turkeys would still potentially be in the area, but it, it really changed. Of course, the roost trees might be cut or whatever. Right. And so it was always an adjustment. And so I uh, had a really good friend. That, that I turkey hunted with. He taught me a lot. He was a fantastic caller. And, um, and I think that's when my shift happened as I was about 19 and I had been using a lynch box call and a slate call and they sounded really good to me, but I was lucky to kill one bird a year. And then I picked up a piggyback stack frame. It was the diaphragm call and it had two frames on top of each other. And I put it in my mouth and it was the awfulest sound I'd ever heard, but I started killing turkeys. And it was a, it was a sharp, raspy, and um, it just really, uh, I started getting, I, actually, I had three birds that I was calling to one day, I tried the lynch box call, nothing, one of my slates, nothing, and I put in that piggyback, and buddy, they all three came on a rope. I started to learn how to call it with a diaphragm, because wow. I couldn't call with a traditional uh, single frame. And I started killing a lot more turkeys, but I felt like I had a lot of time in the woods as a woodsman and is learning more and more. And then now I'm realizing the more I really study woodsmen that I didn't know anything. So, uh, mm. but it was just a lot of time in the yeah. woods. So. Yeah. Well, Clint, you did, did what you learned down. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Adam. Well, go ahead, Matt. Follow up question. That'd be great. I, I was just going to say, did what you did the way you learned to hunt turkeys down south translate when you moved up to Indiana? Or what, did, what kind of adjustments reason, did you have to make, make? The reason why I think it translated well is that a lot of those turkeys had a lot of pressure. Is that there was been a, seems like when I moved up to Indiana, turkey hunting has been in its infancy compared to where we were. They had turkey hunters in the 70s and 80s. So there were a lot of experienced turkey hunters and the the easy birds seemed like they'd already been killed. So we would have to go after the ones that had been messed with for, you know, a six week season. We might be the fifth week of the season. We're still trying to fool with that bird. So, um, yeah. you know, I do think it helped me to be a little bit more resilient and, and coming up here, um, you know, it has been, of course, you know, when you only kill one bird, hopefully most of your hunters who kill a turkey are either out of the woods or helping somebody else. So they're not potentially educating a whole lot more birds. So, I think that helped me. I hunted a lot of swamps, uh, hunted ridges. I hunted anything that I could legally, you know, get on the ground. If I had permission to hunt it, I would hunt it and see if I get on birds' fields, uh, you know, field edges, um, you name it. So um, kill birds in pretty well every habitat that I could that I could get on. And that's why we call him TK. He, uh, he kills them everywhere he goes. He's a turkey killer. Clint, one of the things I've learned from you more than any other person, and we've, we've had some really awesome hunts. Um, uh, I'll never forget uh, that one morning we ran all the way down into that canyon only to find that those birds were roosted on about a 200-foot rock face cliff on the other side of the, of the river or lake or whatever you want to call it, and we ended up killing two birds out of, out of those three that morning. It was unbelievable hunt but uh one of the things i learned hunting there in in daniel boone national forest with you was was the importance of terrain 
and uh, you have one of my favorite uh, uh, hunting stories of being able to use terrain to your advantage to move in. And that's kind of what you do. Uh, you, you, from what I hear you say, you know, you want to, you want to get as close as you can without bumping that bird. You want, you mind telling that story of, of that bird on that WMA? Yes. Yes. Uh, so we had split up that morning. We had several of our friends together and, and I was fortunate enough to be with Adam and found a really good looking area and it had been pressured. There had been trucks parked in this area and I came in and sure enough, there was a bird gobbling and I went straight after him. And he was in some hemlocks, and I dropped off the, the ridge. It was pretty pretty good elevation changes in there, some steep terrain. And I kept setting up, and either he was very call shy or, or, or educated, or I just wasn't in front of him. I've heard a lot of people say, you want to get in front of where the bird wants to be. And I never could get that bird to, to play along. So uh, after he went quiet, I eased out, and I kept thinking I heard a bird back to my south or to my right. And I kept chasing after that bird and it, I dropped down in the ravine. I said, which side of the ravine's he on? You know, that I'm down there because they don't always gobble at the top of the peak, right where you want to hear them. And so I finally pinpointed where I thought the bird was and I would call and he would answer. And I kept cutting distance and cutting distance. And there were a bunch of deadfall blowdowns. And I, and I started to use, like Adam said, use the terrain to my advantage and I would, just crawl over those logs and crawl over those logs. And finally I got close enough that I said, he ought to be pretty close. And I told Adam, I peeked over the limb, over the log like this, just as slow as I could, almost like the sun rising. And I was like, Oh goodness. And so I eased back down and got my gun ready. And I did that again. But this time I had the gun barrel up and I eased over just as soon as I got on him, I shot him, but he was in full strut with a hen. And I, I don't think he would have left that hen. And so, uh, you know, in the interest of time, you know, could you have gone around and tried to call him, call him up a different way? But it was a, it was a, as far as I was concerned, a, a, um, a very safe shot, a, uh, you know, you always need to be careful when you're closing distance on a bird like that, that you're not going to uh, be mistaken for a turkey. But um, I felt good in the area I was, um, you know, and, and it, it worked out really well. And so when I picked that bird up, another bird struck seems like within 200 yards, I just shot and he struck and I, I, I was just in a good time, a good place at a good time. Wish I had another hunter with me at the time. Maybe we would have doubled up. So, yeah. So there's a second bird from that same trip that I remember Clint. And, uh, that one was, uh, me and another guy, we had been together all morning. We were riding bikes that morning, uh, along the gravel roads and, and you had gone kind of your own way. And we had this time where we were supposed to meet back up to uh, the vehicle and we were parked and, and we're like, man, Clint's supposed to be here. Where is Where's he at? And next thing I know, you just come over, you come over the hill on the gravel road and you just got a bird over your shoulder <laughs> and you just, you just walk the whole road and you get to us and you just what you gave a little J Michael Jordan shrug, <laughs> and put, it, <laughs> put him in the back. But it was, it was another one. And that was one where you said, Hey, you know, he was like right off the road. And it was kind of one of those things where you're guessing, where do I set up? And, and you use the land to your advantage. Can you kind of explain for folks that maybe, maybe there's a bird that you're within that hundred, 150 yard bubble. Like, yeah. what are you looking for to set up? And what do you think is the ideal setup there? Yeah. If you got some terrain to work with? Yeah, that morning was real windy and you couldn't hear anything. And I wound up seeing, 
four long beards that morning and I, um, I had one that, that he saw me on the bike and I guess it was so windy. He, he I don't know if I, he actually started walking toward me. Um, and I, I was on a bike with my bike, with my gun on my back. And so I couldn't get a, a, oh, I actually shot at him and, and, and missed him. I mean, it was desperation time. We were getting ready to leave. So I, I hopped on the bike to leave and I would go about every 150 yards and stop and, and yelp. And then if I didn't get a, and I didn't strike a call, I was running out of time. So um, I got these birds, it was two long beards that struck and they were just right over the ridge. And I didn't get 30 yards off the public road. It was, it was, it was in, in public land, but it was a gravel road. And I like to set up to where when he crests the hill, he's within gun range. I think a big mistake a lot of hunters do is they'll get up and they want to get on the crest of the hill where they can see the bird coming. And that's great. But many times uh, uh, an educated bird, a bird that's been fooled with, when he crests that hill and he can't see that hen, he's going to hang up. He's going to sit back and watch and say, something's not right. But if you can get with that 30, 30 to 40 yards, you're, and when he crests that hill, you can, you can shoot him. That, that's been a big advantage to me. So that's the way I set up. And I'm almost always looking for something wider than my shoulders for safety and also to break up my outline. So when I set up, I was ready. And I always, I always try to spin because I'm right-handed. I always spin and put my gun up and I'm trying to be here to where I can swing and get a good gun swing on anywhere the deer, the turkey comes out. So if I'm set up here, now when he comes out over here, I've got to cross over my body and make an awkward shot. Sure. So if you're lefty, just do the opposite. So, um, but yeah, that worked out better than I had hoped for. And, uh, you know, two long beards came over the hill and I took a clean shot at one and, uh, and walked out and I was, uh, just fortunate to get him. So, yeah. Well, you, you've, uh, you've become legendary, not only because of how you kill turkeys, but also, uh, because of the art of, uh, belly crawling. And, uh, Clint is known to, uh, to cover lots of ground in the prone position on his belly. And, uh, Man, I mean, really, a guy can get away with with belly crawling even in minimal terrain, right? I mean, what what do you what do you feel comfortable getting in on a bird on even even if you have minimal cover if you're belly crawling? Um, it, it, one is the, just the noise factor. If how how dry the leaves are, and then assuming that you have just enough relief that do you want to scratch like a turkey, and then you know you you can get away with a lot scratching. And I think the hunting public guys have shown that really well. Yeah. Uh, they killed one in Ohio like that, if I'm not mistaken, they would just keep cutting the distance and, and watch the bird. And they just kept working him, and they just kept cutting the distance. A lot of times trying to put a tree between you and the bird, if yeah. you can use that and then using the tree as a blocker, because you don't have to, you don't have to be completely concealed. You just don't want to look like a human. I think that when you're lying down and you're on the ground, like I said, safety is paramount, but you, you, you know, you're just not that much that's being seen. Y'all might almost resemble a hen, you know, when you're, when you're that low. And so, uh, you know, are you resembling another varmint of some sort that they're used to being around all the time? So I think it's just that vertical, you know, upright walking through the woods and they're immediately like, I know what that is. And they're gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Clint, you're, you're, uh, you're another one that's so good about uh, just investing in youth 
and you've been part of, of what they call the youth hunt over, over there where you're from, which is, which is a ministry that, you know, is just reaching out to youth and taking them hunting. And, uh, how, how rewarding has that been for you to be able to see, you know, just youth take their first bird or even, I know your daughter, she's been, she's been piling them up too. She's a TK <laughs> junior. How rewarding is it to see, uh, youth, you know, kill their first bird? It is. And I mean, selfishly as hunters, a lot of times we think, Hey, let's keep this all a secret and let's keep it to ourselves. And, um, and I, I hope I've, I've turned the corner on that in that, if we don't get young people involved in this, when we're old, you know, would we be potentially outvoted, uh, you know, that they, that, you know, if we don't have hunters to take up the, the mantle, um, you know, all the, the, the license sales and the, and the, the guns and the ammunition, and all that goes back to the Robertson, a lot of money back to, um, to um, habitat improvement, things like that. And so then I just want to pour into kids and let them know that there's something fun to do outside and that, that uh, hopefully we can behave ourselves in a, you know, in a, you know, in a, um, a good manner in a, a Christ-like fashion and, and, uh, and still have a great time, still cut up and, and have a good time, but also to, to show them how to hunt ethically and legally, um, you know, and, and, and have a great time. So. Absolutely, man. Well, buddy, That's awesome. uh, we're looking forward to Matt. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I think it's really cool that, I mean, yeah, there's the, the, the financial part of, you know, hunting license money going back into the States that we live in. But the fact that you're connecting the dots for a young person, even just where their food comes from, I think is an experience that a lot of young people lack. Um, and hunting teaches like a discipline that you don't and a responsibility that you don't get to experience often as a young person, I feel like. So it's really, really cool. I hope I, I hope I get to do more of that at some point soon. Um, but I think it's, you know, something, something we all as hunters should make an effort to, to push towards. So right. it's good stuff. Matt, do you have any questions about hunting PA? I don't, I don't know it, but uh, um, I, I'm interested. I mean, Adam and I might yeah, not go yeah. out there and, and, and uh, go out there and see what you got. I come, come on, check it out. But I mean, yeah. So uh, we were talking a little bit before, before we started here, I'm actually pretty new to Turkey hunting. So last year was one of the first times I'd ever gone out and, and just, I mean, I was on public land, uh, went opening day and I did hear, I did hear calling, but I don't know if it was another hunter or if it was a Turkey yeah. and never, never got, um, never got a bird in sight. So I've yet to have any, have any success on public, public. I think one of the things that one of the biggest questions I have is just how to locate them other yeah. than driving around a lot of the, a lot of the hunt, hunt are 45 minutes an hour away, not easily accessible for me to drive and, and look at yeah. a lot of the time. So I feel like I'm kind of spending a lot of time just trying to figure out where they are. Um, yeah. So that's, that's one of the challenges that, I'm not quite sure how to have at this point. Um, sure. So yeah, if you have any insight to share on that, I'd be. Yeah. Big woods turkeys. Uh, I think of, we go back to maybe Daniel Boone and, and there weren't a lot of fields, which I always feel like fields are integral to turkeys, but you know, are there, are there uh, power lines? Are there anything that, that creates edge and creates brooding and uh, you know, 
turkeys just they they like to be out in the open and and whether they're in, insect and when you think about brooding I've I've read a little bit about you know that their need for insects for protein and for for um, bringing the poults up quickly but um, you know just getting out there and covering some distance and then when you get to some terrain where tracks are visible you know if it's real rocky you're wasting your time looking for tracks you might find scat and droppings but uh, you know if you get a sandy a sandy spot that that's on the ridge top. Look for look for struts. Look for uh, strutting marks and 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 of course the tracks. Um, and of course the strutting marks would be on either side. You'll see a set of tracks and you'll see like look like they drug a limb on either side of it. But um, you know just getting out before season, covering distance, seeing how much competition yeah. you might have. Your really good turkey hunters are probably going to be out there early season scouting, and you say, hey man, this place yeah. is covered up. I got to go deeper. Get on a mountain bike you know, park at the gate and go as far as you can away from people. Um, you know, there's just yeah. so many ways to go after them. So uh, using a boat, using yeah. a canoe, that's huge. If you can, if you can get a boat or canoe and get away from people, you're going to eliminate 90% of your, of your uh, competition. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great information. I think there's so much hunting pressure out here in general for all, it seems like yeah. for all while. Well, so uh, that's one of the biggest challenges to overcome, I think, being on the East Coast. But um, yeah, I think I didn't really get to spend a whole lot of time just like walking around and, and, and for sign and stuff like that. Haven't been super intentional about it. So, right. Uh, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's a process. I have spooked more turkeys than I care to even think about on learning. So, you know, if you do that, you, you have to just learn from it and say, well, I screwed that one up. I'm going to get better because of it. Um, some of the habitat I had to hunt when I was 12 to 15 years old, I would love to go back and have that to play over again because we had some birds and just had the run of the place. And I believe I could have really done some good, but I didn't know what I was doing. So uh, it took a, it took a long time, a lot of errors. I, I'm super aggressive um, just because you got a limited amount of time in the woods and um, you know, I still hunt for deer. I wait on them. You know, I get in a good place, but turkeys, I want to chase them. I want to get after them. And so mm -hmm. uh, be as aggressive as you can without, without intentionally spooking the bird. And, um, you know, I just feel like I, even though I know I spook some birds every year, I'm sure, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm successful. So yeah. um, maybe I, I might not kill the oldest bird, the wisest bird in the area, but I have a lot of fun and it's, um, and if you're not doing it for fun, why are you doing it? So, right. uh, you know, that's the way I look Good at point. it. One yeah. of the things Clint that, uh, you know, you and I've talked about too is, is once you know the location, I think actually this is where something like Onyx or any type of the mapping system really comes into play. Once you locate a bird and you know exactly where he's at, you can look either on your map or look, look around you and say, all right, how could I, even if I have to walk three quarters of a mile to swing around on him, is there a way where I could, where I could use the terrain to my advantage and get as close as possible? And then if I know he's there, I don't need to call, you know, I can get around. And then once I'm in position to kill, that's when I, that's when I make the first cluck or I purr or I, you know, uh, yelp a time or two and just, just lightly and just, just to let him know I'm there. And then see if, if he's interested, see if he's responding. I think a lot of guys, they'll, 
they'll they'll hear one or they'll strike one and then they'll they'll maybe just try to go you know right at him not thinking all right what if he peeks his head up you know i'm i'm at the bottom of a of a ridge and he's 200 yards up and he's at the very top of the ridge and i'm going to go right up when really all he has to do sometimes is go 5 yards stick his head up and he'll telescope down there over that whole ridge and he'll say uh nope there's a guy coming up the hill by the creek you know but really if if you if you move around to keep the terrain in your advantage, you know, then, then yeah. it's a, you're, they're hard to trick and you can't, you can't fool their eyesight. So the only way you can right. do it is to block it and keeping that terrain, you know, in between you and them really can help in the long run of getting close to the birds. And that's, that's what this guy yeah. does. And, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to um, be speaking by both sides of my mouth, but I do like to get above a bird when I can. Uh, is to basically, if I know he's in an area, they're, they are really, I don't know if they're really vain or if they just know that if they get up on a ridge top, more hens can hear them. So the thought is, my thought and what I've read is that turkeys get up there and they gobble and they strut for the hens to come to them. So they like to get up on a knob of a ridge where they can see and yeah. be seen. Yeah. And so if you can slide in, like Adam's saying, slide in and maybe either get above them or maybe just a little bit below and shoot the top of the ridge but you just don't want to get it to where when he pops out on top of that ridge he's got to walk 80 yards through open hardwood to come to you many times they're going to hang up they might be content to sit there and strut and gobble all morning long but what i do when that happens when i realize oh i've especially early light you can't you, you don't really man, I think I'm in a good spot. And then it starts to open up daylight and you're like, oh, it's way too open right here. Well, I'll slide off the side of that tree, mm. get, get the tree between me and the turkey and slide down the hill. And I'll set up in a different spot and say, hey, this is just not a good spot where I am. And then, or let him walk by. I've had birds walk by me and say, I didn't have a good shot and just shut up and let them go. And the birds, when we doubled up, Adam and I, we called those, those three birds across the river and when they came up, they landed on the sandbar and they came up and it, we're 80 yards. We were both on big old oak trees, but we, we looked like two big old mushrooms on the side of the tree and we just watched them go by. And then once they got out of sight, then we dove down and cut the distance. And I, I killed one and also killed Adam's hearing at the same time, but <laughs> that's for another show. But uh <laughs> Uh, I had a ported uh, a muzzle, well, a uh, uh, screw in turkey, turkey choke. And I think it was a little louder than I gave it credit for where Adam was. It was a safe shot, but it was hard on his hearing. And so uh, then we went up the ridge and went after one of the other birds. We're assuming it might've been the same bird. It could have been others that, that came up, but we, we kept chasing where we thought they went yeah. and they settled down and, and, uh, and he wound up killing another one. So it was, you know, that same thing is using the terrain and not being out of the game. Hey, I shot, but yeah. there's other turkeys in here. Let's keep going. we got another tag in our pocket. Let's go. That's right. Yeah. Well, guys, I really appreciate you joining. Clint, so good to have you on today. And uh, we'll be talking more turkeys as the spring goes on. So thanks for joining us today on this episode of Hey Bub Outdoors. See you next week. We're going to be talking about grafting. Enjoy it. Thanks, guys. <laughs>